Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome everybody to Girl You Know It. We are back for 2021 and so excited to be back with you. And it has been a really exciting time just kind of trying to figure out Black Women Connect Vancouver and our next step. And so for our first episode for season two, episode one, we have Lisa here with us and we're gonna be talking about entering 2021 and what does financial literacy look like? So welcome, Lisa, it's really nice to have you here. We're really excited to have this conversation with you and what we feel to have a really important discussion in just in our community and just questions that I know people really wanna have. But before we start, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you very much, Natasia. I'm very excited uh, to be here and so lovely to meet the three of you again on, um, on, on this today. Um, so I was kind of, I was on the trails today and I was chatting with my girlfriend about it and I'm like, I don't even know where to start because my, you know, uh, typical answer would be, oh, you know, I'm African, I grew up in Namibia, moved to Vancouver, I've been here for the last um, almost 20 years now. So it's just, you've got all of this information as well, but I really wanted to kind of give a little bit about background of um, what it meant to grow up and to be raised uh, sort of during apartheid in Namibia, because Namibia was part of South Africa for a very, very long time. And so about a little more than 30 years ago, we became independent but by then I was in my in my teenager years so you you have basically experienced a lot of whatever was going on between Namibia and South Africa at that time and and when when I look back I kind of wonder where a lot of my being so much aware when I look at people with race in Vancouver from the beginning is coming from it's because of this history right growing up um, and we were poor. I grew up really poor on a farm. My dad was hardworking and every, pretty much all of my siblings in, ahead of me, the expectation was you're going to go to university. There was no question whether, um, you know, whether you should go to work after, after high school. It was like my sisters went to university. I had to go to university as well. And that was sort of the expectation. And to this day, I'm forever grateful that I had those experiences as well, because here were my parents who barely finished high school. I think my dad left high school in like grade six or seven uh, during those times because he had to go and help his family. So, but yet he had, and I'm sure many of us can relate to this as having immigrant or, or sort of parents from Africa too, because education was their way of kind of wanting to push you to get out of your circumstances and want better for you as your child, as their child from what they were having. And to, and, and to this day, I'm pushing my kids on the same thing, even though they're growing up in Vancouver, I'm still having that sort of ingrained in me as well, um, even now. So I'm so for, forever grateful for, for all of the experiences I've had, because I feel looking back, even though uh, you know, growing up during apartheid, it was hard. It was tough on so many of us, on all of us, but it has kind of helped me to become the person who I am today. It's kind of helped me to adjust in Vancouver over time as well. Um, and so, yes, I, um, I went to high school, university, finished in Namibia, University of Namibia. And then I'm one of six, so we're a big family. All my family is back in Namibia. I'm the only one here. And uh, kind of wanted to move a little bit away from Namibia in my 20s, as most of us can you know, relate to some of these smaller countries. You kind of want to expand and you want to be able to, to take flight and go see what else is outside of the world. And so I ended up going to Uganda with a, a scholarship and uh, studied at the University of Makerere, which was 
back in the day, it was probably one of the best universities in Africa as well. I always used to hear because that's why the World Bank actually had a program that you could go there and do your master's program at university there. And that's actually where I met my ex-husband. And he was um, grew up in, in, Van in North Vancouver in Canada. And so he was just there to work for a little bit. And that's where we met. And that's how I ended up in Vancouver because if you ever were to have told me 25 years ago that I would end up in Vancouver, I would not have believed you because in, as Southern Africa, we tend to want to move more to Europe. I think that was sort of the consensus. Like so many people went to England, they went to Germany, to the Netherlands, a lot of my friends as well for studies and stuff. But we, I never would have thought Vancouver. And honestly, I didn't even really know which part of, of North America was Canada. It was sort of like I met this guy from this part of the world, which I everybody knew America, but we didn't really know Canada <laughs> as well. So it was um, it was quite, quite interesting. But then when we decided we wanted to settle down and get married, we sort of decided to, to, to pick Vancouver or, or Canada out of the two countries. And I did go back for a few years um, in 2006 when my kids were younger. And we stayed in Namibia for about four and a half years, which was a, a great experience again for my children. To this day, they still remember that even though they were little. But the experience is just so different than, than living in, 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 in sort of the first world countries as well. And I'm so excited that I was able to, to provide them that. And, my, uh, we moved back here in 2010, and that's when I sort of um, went back to CIBC, started working with them again about 10 years ago, and just been raising my kids. So my 20s was sort of travel, see what else is out there. 30s was about raising kids, and now I'm sort of mid-40s, and I'm like, now I'm ready to take on my career again, and my kids are older. And that's sort of the stage that I am right now, which I'm quite excited about as well. I love it. That's amazing. That's, you have so much experience and it, it's, I love hearing. I'm sure there's a lot more we can probably dive into. Um, but one of the other things um, I think for like, for especially for like Pales and I immigrating to Canada, we kind of understand what you're saying. Um, in terms of people wanting to go either to Europe or to America and, and Canada's not usually something that people think yeah. about. I know for our family, we ended up going to the Netherlands for five and a half years um, after we were living in Zambia and um, Palesa can speak on her experience too, but yeah, it's kind of, we definitely understand like where you're coming from with that and the educational background that pushes you to, to get where you need to be. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. We have a lot of similarities in your story. Uh, I'm from South Africa myself, and so um, oh, and then there's Southern Africa. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> being born just um, on the cusp of the fall of apartheid, I really uh, understand the transition between that and what we have now. And um, I've, I had always told my family that I wanted to travel and I wanted to go, and like I wouldn't be living in uh, South Africa for my whole life and my mom couldn't believe it and I also didn't know what Canada was until I found UBC and I was like oh this is kind of a weird place I guess um, and a lot of things about <laughs> Vancouver are still very wild and different but I really yeah. am fortunate to be able to make the choice to live here and then um, to be afforded the opportunity to do work uh, on this land as well um, and then to you know gain some community um, so it's it's definitely been with its challenges, but it's also been really rewarding. And, and isn't it true, place, especially for you from South Africa too, now with how the world has changed, especially with what's been happening in America with Black Lives Matter and everything, and, and people in Canada still tend to want to not really address that. It's still sort of, it's a state's problem. It's not necessarily happening here. Mm -hmm. And ever since I moved here, it was... I mean, I moved to North Vancouver, seriously, too. Like, I kept looking around, trying to find people that look like me or that's from that part of the world. And it's just, you don't necessarily find that. You don't necessarily see that. And so for someone like me growing up with that, I've just always been so aware of it, too. And when you and, and I find a lot of the times, too, if I try to talk to people that I meet here about it, it's like, oh, no, we don't have that problem or we, that's not how it is. But they don't necessarily want to address it as well, which is kind of sad. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree with you. I think for me, I think both of you have more of a different experience with that, um, having it more, I guess, with going through that in Africa, whereas for us, it's living in the Netherlands, there was a whole different experience in that and the way people kind of treated situations. And um, I mean, they still do blackface every Christmas, like, you know, but recognizing it as something that's a tradition and needs to continue in, and keep pushing it and asking why do we need to not change that. So um, in my experience that growing up in that kind of environment was definitely different because everything was always in your face. And I do feel like now going back to the Netherlands, it has changed a lot more than before. I think before there wasn't really any conversation we were having in that. And I remember being made fun of all the time for my skin color or kids just like calling us names and, and stuff like that. Or um, I think one time my sister got like bullied by some boy, like just calling her names, just things like that, that we kind of experienced um, as being the only black kids in every school pretty much because if you look at our school pictures it's like everyone's like blonde blue eyes and then there's like random like my sister and I and like random like group shots in elementary and so it was really we stood out and we were just different and we were new and so at the same time as children are trying to figure out what is this kind of newness I, there was also a space I allowed there because it, it was new and so it's kind of that balance but I understand what you're saying and um, how here yeah. we kind of don't acknowledge things at all um, with all the things that go on. I mean, even with um, the Aboriginal population yeah. here, it's just like, it's always dismissed and always considered as yeah. a, a problem when it's not. It's, we have to can actually start addressing our marginalized community, yeah. And to a degree, we have seen good changes, right, as well. Like I can see it amongst my friends in the community that I am. People want to talk about it. People want to learn more about it. And and, and really with the history of, of Canada as well with the Indigenous people, this should have been done a long time ago and not necessarily just addressed now. But I guess it's never too, never too late as well for everybody to kind of want to learn about it. Mm -hmm, for sure. So moving here, how was your experience being a Black woman um, entering the workforce? Or as you said, you were um, also raising your children at the time. Was there a significant kind of difference that you noticed moving here um, in North Vancouver, I guess, because that's also a whole different experience, I feel, <laughs> being in North Vancouver enough. versus being like downtown or the other cities. Every time I'm there, I'm like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do love no, it. I, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I feel 20 years ago when I went through, a lot of new immigrants are still going through. Like when I talk to people, like remember I came from, I, I, yes, it was an African university degree, but I was educated. I had a degree but I wasn't able to kind of just, and, and I, I, I had a degree of um, uh, big commerce. And so my background in Namibia was working in the auditing field with the government as well. But when I, when I, when you, when you start in a new country, it is so difficult because you really have to start from the bottom. And I don't know if uh, like I've, because of my, my history with working with the bank and just in, in general meeting a lot of people from Vancouver that are new immigrants, it is the same question. It doesn't matter even from which country you're from, but it's like you can come with your education, with your, with your degrees that you have from, from your back home, but it's so hard to get in here in the same field. You really have to start from the, from the bottom as well. But for me, I guess it was okay because I was young, I was late 20s. So at that time it was like, well, I'm willing to do the work and start from the bottom and, and, and work myself um, uh, in, in the career that I wanted as well. And so um, I was quite fortunate, I was quite lucky that uh, CIBC at the time uh, was looking to hire people as well. And I was able to get in through the bank. And I do believe that it sort of really helped me. I always say CIBC is the best employer because I raised my kids with them. They pretty much, when my kids were little, they were so, I was so fortunate that I was able to have the, uh, the, the managers that was aware of what you're going through and who you are. And, and that sort of really has helped me raising my kids as well. And so um, it, I was lucky in a, in a way that I was able to get in. I had to start from, from the bottom as a teller, but by just sort of 
walking around, talking to people, get, getting connections, I was able to kind of build and sort of move from one role to the next role um, in a fairly quick sort of a, a period. Because a lot of the times um, we come here and you have all these um, sort of great ideas as to what you want to do and where you want to go, but then you hit the reality and it's like, nope, you can't exactly just get, get in, in that advisory role or in that role right now you kind of have to start from the beginning and and so even though it was sort of a step back from where I was coming from it really allowed me to just get in get started and then I was able to show my abilities and what I can do and it's just kind of work my way up over the years and as with most women uh, my career really sort of took a bit of a stall when I was raising my kids. And it wasn't because I, it, I, I didn't want to, to you know, uh, be in this high power sort of positions or anything like that. It was just that I made the conscious decision that I, if I leave the office at five o'clock, I wanna leave whatever is there behind and I, then I have to be a mom. So it really was sort of uh, my choice to just be there for, and, and looking back now, I'm forever grateful that I did. Um, maybe looking at, say, someone else my age, probably male, maybe way further now where they are, where I am, but the decision was mine at the time. And, and a lot of women, I'm not unique, and a lot of women are, are struggling with all of this on a regular basis to have to choose between following your career or um, raising your kids. And, and if you can do both, um, kudos to you. I think that's amazing. But for me, it was more, I want to be able to be there for my kids and sort of raise them. And that's what I did uh, uh, as well. But when I actually moved back to Namibia, it was great because I was working with an investment firm there from South Africa. And so they had a small office in Namibia and I was hired, which is sort of the opposite. When I moved back after only six years of experience here, Namibia, I was sort of like, oh, we need more skilled people. We need more experienced people we can put you in this sort of leadership position right away. So it's almost like the opposite right here. You struggle just to get in. And when you go back, people, they need people with skills and experience and education background to be able to get into those positions as well. So I was, I was fairly uh, quickly once we went back and I wanted to get back into the workforce, I really didn't have to. Bear in mind too, I grew up with a lot of people there. I went to university there. So you had a lot way more sort of organic environment that you can connect with than what I have in Vancouver. Here I had to work for everybody that I know, whereas there I can walk on the street and I see someone that I went to high school with. So this was a little bit of a difference there as well. But I truly enjoyed it. I love traveling to Cape Town, Johannesburg. Those were sort of my uh for work i'd have to travel but uh really enjoyed it love being back with my family when i was there um again that's where i sort of really got my teeth in the investment environment and then when i came back to canada i was lucky enough that cibc hired me back um again not necessarily I was looking to get into sort of the same type of role that I was doing back in, in Namibia and South Africa. And even though it was a South African company, again, sort of here is the consensus. It's not quite to the same level as what it is in Canada. But luckily, like I said, I was very fortunate that CIBC hired me back. And, and then I just kind of um, did different roles over the years um, with uh, within the bank as well. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I was born and raised in Vancouver. Um, so it's a very different experience for me, but my mom immigrated here from Kenya and she had to start all over again. And she, she came here with the promise that she wouldn't have to start all over again, but she did. Yeah. So I, I, I was the kid watching my mother have to like really just start like cleaning houses and like really go back and go to school and like build up her resume and that kind of thing so I'm seeing it from the other side and I was just like always yeah. applaud all these women who who like hold it down while they're like re remembering all the stuff that they have brought with them like from you know home and being like I I did this stuff like I have to redo it but like biting the bullet and you know doing it yeah. for their family and just you know um 
taking that those steps to, to really advance themselves and instill like education and that's totally true my mom was like all y'all it's all sisters so I was like, all y'all are getting papers you just need to make sure that you can support yourself and that's the thing um one question that I had I know that you've had like this very expensive career in banking and in finance what what is it like being you know a black woman in finance in a um country where you know the black population isn't very um significant or high because back in Namibia you, you know you grew up there you had friends yeah. there but like here it's a little different and like even like you said being a woman in general you have to make those decisions about raising your kids and then advancing your career and like you know weighing it out but then also like the additional layer of being a black woman in finance yeah. I think that, that is something that we'd love to hear from you yeah um great question um thanks Al and I think I'll, I'll sort of start off by saying women overall in finance is a challenge, right? Like that has always been, if you were to look at it from an, an, an in a sort of investment um, advisory capacity, you'll see that overall just, uh, it's always been a more male dominated world as well. So you constantly feel like you have to break these barriers in, or, in order to, to be seen. On top of that, being a woman of color as well, or black women too, that also has that extra layer now. Um, for me, I've always been sort of, I was saying to someone the other day, I always felt like I had to be such a hothead to be hurt. You know what I mean? Like I had to, I had to be not, I wouldn't necessarily say aggressive, but you always have to, to speak up so that people know who you are. And, and, I, and I think I've always done it, not necessarily in the beginning when I was younger in the most diplomatic ways either, but I've always been sort of able to get my message across and to, to be able to not be afraid to speak up. That's always been something about me that I've always been like, if I see, that something can be done a different way or that something is wrong. I've always had that ability, but, but being in a world which is so male dominated, you constantly have to be worried too that you're not going to be seen as being too aggressive or, you know, and, 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 and this is overall, I think all women have sort of that, that, that sense that we just need to constantly have to be watching and, 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 and so that you don't, um, when I was younger, I was definitely more outspoken and, and, and more in a way that now I put a little bit more finesse on it. I think the age have sort of made it a little bit easier where I can still say the same thing, but I don't necessarily have to say it to, you know, just get the hairs on people's backs going as well. Um, in, in terms of my career, I think I've always been whenever I was sort of ready to want to move on to the next step, I've always had good support that I, I, I knew what I wanted to do and that I was sort of like, okay, well, I was doing this, uh, for instance, one particular role within the bank. And then when I was ready, I kind of said, no, maybe I should take this on. But I've had a lot of mentors along the way too, which, which would kind of, which kind of helped because I remember having to switch from a role that was completely salary based to sort of a variable pay. So all of a sudden I wasn't going to be too sure where the next paycheck would look like, but then it was still within the bank. So I kind of knew that I still had that support, but uh, being a single mom of two kids at that time, it this was about five years or so ago, ago it was the most terrifying thing that I could ever think about doing, but but having to talk to other people about it, having had good friends, mentor, mentors that I can kind of go to and say, I'm thinking about doing this, what do you think? It really helped me in a way. And so um, I was able to kind of make that decision to move on to onto those roles as well. Um, but just, I think overall, if I were to look back at my career in terms of being a black woman in finance, the definitely, I, I think uh, when I was ready and then I wanted to go for opportunities, I felt like there was a lot of support there. Like I was able to do that. Uh, and not just with my company, but I think overall, I, I'm hoping to see more women of color in sort of the executive roles as well. Like right now we see a lot of 
women of, of uh, different, whether it, different ethnicities and different uh, diverse backgrounds in sort of your middle management roles, but we don't see a lot of this sort of the top um, reporting to the CEO executive level. First of all, not a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, not a lot of women of color. So I'm hoping that uh, over the next couple of generations that that will change, that we can see more women uh, having the equal opportunities and equal, equal um, uh, uh, chances that, that everybody else is having as well, which is something I'm hoping to see that would change, but which I think can, can, can use some work. But I was so excited recently when CIBC hired our head of legal was um, a black woman. And when they sent it out and they made an announcement about it, I right away emailed her and I'm like, I'm so excited. Like you should see, I think all of us uh, who was sort of, you know, from African descent or, or black um, descent was sort of so excited just to see her being like the head of legal and she's black and 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 I think our CEO is so much trying to to make changes so it's it's positive we're seeing some some of those changes so I'm quite excited to be just to hope that over the next little while those it'll change yeah that's exciting yes <laughs> I love to see um black women and um uh you know women of color be um given their flowers as they say um and also based on marriage i think this is a conversation that natalia and myself were having um with somebody else the other day is that you know uh we're definitely loving that a lot of companies and brands are coming out there you know and wanting to uh, be more diverse right and definitely scale up in terms of you know providing upper management uh to be more diverse as well but the way that they're doing it to kind of tokenize um, the fact that somebody gets promoted. So for example, if they dedicate like the next three jobs are gonna go to you know, uh, black women or, or, or women of color, then sometimes it can be a little hard to get that position because people might not necessarily think it's because you're merited for it, you're filling a quota. And so in the banking world, and you know, obviously as CIBC seems to be expanding, do you think that they're handling that um, in more of like a merited manner, or do you think that they'll yeah. be uh, oh, yeah. kind of you know doing a quota thing? And then, yeah, <laughs> I'll ask my next one afterwards. <laughs> no, um, and thank you. That's a great question. I I absolutely believe it was it is merit. Like I I like I said, I think a lot of the the, the bank has always done a fantastic job in having well well diversified sort of like diverse group of people that they hire. I think it's just um, you know, the, the bank has always supported different people from different backgrounds. And, and, and I don't think it ever really, it like it, to me, a lot of the times the jobs came back down to, do you have the abilities? Are you able to do it? And you will get it. Like I've, like, at least in my experience, I've never felt I got a job because of the color of my skin. I always thought I got the job because I have the ability or, or they know that I've got the skills and the experience to be able to do the job. Awesome. And then my second question was, you know, with it, I know thinking about finances myself, um, there's a bit of debt that I would love to pay off. And, you know, sometimes I fall into this cycle uh, every time I, you know, uh, pay off my credit card all the way down. Then I think to myself, like, okay, I'll never catch myself in a position where my credit card is at that level again. Um, and what I'm going to do is be proactive about it. So I, instead, I'm going to load money from my debit card onto my credit card before I use the credit card. And, and that way, I'm always keeping one step ahead but then I always find myself in a different situation where my credit card is high and my debit card money is spent. So I'm spending twice the amount of money that I'm assuming I have. And I'm wondering, uh, as somebody in finance, what do you think that is? What do you think that comes from? And what are some ways that I could stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know this is this is this is such a, this is a topic that i i feel very strongly about so thank you so much for raising that um the short answer is we need to set you up to have an emergency fund we need to start 
uh, we need to start looking at how can we help you grow your savings so that when a big expense comes up, you're not just using your day-to-day -day debit card to, to buy for those big expenses, right? So the, really the question for me is always to people about, um, we know that, and, and, and trust me, I've lived in Vancouver for how, I mean, how many years now? It's an expensive city. It's not cheap to live here. Um, I feel like my paycheck just goes into groceries. It seems like my grocery bill goes up every week, like seriously. And having two teenagers doesn't help either. But that's where I feel like all my money is growing. So for me, what is important to have is to have a plan. So what you need to, and, 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 and again, this comes back to a lot of uh, 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 women uh, doesn't necessarily have the same knowledge and experience about investing than men. Like I remember my, my, my dad used to take care of all of our expenses. My dad died a little over 25 years ago. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She had to start taking over those expenses. And she didn't, she did it without any help from any of her children. She was way better at saving and looking after her finances than I think. Uh, like she was just an, an eye-opener to see how this woman who was getting like maybe a couple of bucks a week from her husband to help pay for some of the groceries and expensive to all of a sudden have to look after it all. And she did it and she was amazing at it. So I, I think the 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 lesson for us is to be able to have a proper plan in place and you don't necessarily even have to have a budget i always keep saying that you can start off with as little as 25 dollars a week or a month or per paycheck whatever you can afford when i was doing investment planning with my clients i always used to say i went downtown once and i had a glass of wine at one of the restaurants and it cost 21 dollars. so i'm like here I am sitting and paying 20 something dollars for a glass of wine. I mean, I, I like my wine and I'll go to the restaurant and I'll order it. But if you just think about these little things, these little expenses that we, that we, that we spend money on, how can we make our personal finances better? And a lot of it starts with, start with a plan. Um, and, and, Coming back to your question about it's Vancouver, cost of living is high. You will have a lot of us have debt, like we end up having to use our credit cards to pay for something. But at the same time, and even if you want to pay off that debt, that's fine. But have a savings plan in place as well. So look at your... Um, there's this uh, book by, uh, which is called The Wealthy Barber. I don't know if you, it's a Canadian author. I don't know if you guys have ever read it, but I read it years ago. And one of the first concepts he introduced in there is pay yourself first by doing regular monthly, bi-weekly, um, weekly deductions off of your salary, off of your paychecks or out of your bank account on a regular basis and pay yourself first. That's what it comes down to. So what I used to advise my clients is to say, for instance, you have 50 or $75 a month that you can, that you are willing to put aside. Obviously we don't want you to be uh, doing more than what you can afford. But then you say, okay, $25 is gonna go into my emergency fund. The other $25 is for my sort of short-term short to medium term, uh, uh, whether it's to buy a new car, go on vacation in a year or two, that's sort of uh, what that other $25. And the last $25 is for my retirement because I wanna be able to put money aside for my retirement as well. So, and that's how I would break down my, my um, uh, whatever I can afford on a monthly basis. So Lisa, when, so when that expense does come up, that you now need to urgently buy something. So your car broke down or you need to be able to pay for something right away. You are able to right away go into your emergency fund, take money from there and pay for it as well. So, and, and using a, a thing like the tax-free savings account or your, your for your retirement, you can use your registered retirement savings account like RRSBs. Like those are really just easy and quick ways where I remember my clients used to say to me, yeah, but if I just do it automatically every month um, by myself, I may, I may use the money again. Well, then that's why you put it into a registered 
product like a tax-free savings account or an RRSP, the registered savings plan, so that it's not as easy to just transfer it back and forth between the bank account and the Visa card as well. You actually have to make an effort to call in or to go see someone to get the money out as well. Uh, so I, I feel like the overall history or the, the research has shown us that women does want to save more. We, we can earn higher returns based on what it is that you are saving for and what, what type of underlying investments you choose. And really it is about to plan with a purpose. And a lot of the times, if you think about it, if, if I start the same age as a guy, same role, chances are he's getting paid more. Like we know that that's a reality. So, and men tend to take more risks as well to help their, their savings grow. There was a study done which basically showed that men would actually, um, uh, their first in, uh, goal, financial goal is to invest. Like, I don't even know, like up until I was forced to being on my own and sort of look up after my finances as well, my goal was really just to sort of pay, pay day to day expenses and survive on a regular basis. But once I started looking into it, I was like, yes, I do have my day-to-day -day expenses and I do have all of these that I need to take care of, but I also wanna have a savings plan in place. And, and studies have shown that women actually um, in the long term does better on our investments because we don't necessarily wanna take all of those high risk and get all of the aggressive uh, risk that you take and get all of the high returns in the short term, we kind of invest for the long term and is willing to take um, sort of smaller little bumps along the way of, 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 of your investments growing. And what, what I used to do and what the bank offers as well, and, and, and if a lot of the listeners are out there, if you are unsure of where to go, who do you talk to? There are so many, there's a lot of information available online, but it is overwhelming. So what I used to do in my previous role before I joined business banking is I would sit with each and every client and come up with a plan. And we'll be like, these are some common questions that you can ask yourself. Um, and then we will come up with recommendations on where to put the money. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to sit there and figure out what mutual fund should I get? Well, what stock should I buy? There are those options where you can do it yourself and you can learn it yourself, but there are also enough uh, tools and resources available through the banks or other investment firms that you can actually go and do it yourself. And a lot of the times is you don't need to have a lot of wealth. You don't need to have sort of big money to be able to get in. You can start, like I said, I used to tell my clients, you can start with as little as $25 a month. And I always used to say that's like two or three coffees a, a, like a week at Starbucks as well. Like we all know how expensive Starbucks can be. So if you really just kind of wanted to, to start off with a plan, um, have something where you can set it up so that when those expenses happen, you have a safety net that you can go to to be able to cover those expenses instead of having to keep having to move money around between the two as well. I hope that sort of in a long way sort of broad sense help you and provide some some answers for you as well but it it definitely is a topic that's very close to my heart and I've always wanted to uh, do free consultations when I retire one day that's what all I'm going to do is do free consultations to women on how what to invest how to invest and and how to set up a plan I mean, I'll probably be signing up for that class. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm signing up beforehand. You're gonna be practicing on me before you do that. Yeah. So I'll just be your guinea pig. That's fine. Yeah. Um, just a quick um, uh, clarification in there as well. So um, you mentioned to have a plan and not necessarily a budget. What would the difference be between the two? Because a lot of the help that I've received through Google, because Google is my best friend, has been, you know, <laughs> get a budget, and then there's like all these budgeting apps, and then we'll check your money, and we'll, oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. and we'll tell you, and so I thought like being more conscious of where it was going, and being like, okay, maybe I spend a bit on food here, you know, maybe my expenses on entertainment are a little bit more, 
at first I thought that would be helpful because I know more about where my money is going, but it isn't. In fact, I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. So I guess I am doing what I think I'm doing. And it, it really hasn't changed <laughs> around like knowing more and then makes it better to save money. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. And uh, I always used to say like I, once I looked at this budget up calculator on the government of Canada website, I think I was looking for something and it, it, it stressed me out because after a while they were asking how much money do I spend on a coffee on a day-to-day -day basis? And I was just like, this is way too detailed from what I was looking at. So my advice is always look at your expenses look at where you spend money on on a on a regular basis um credit cards are amazing nowadays where they give you a detailed breakdown of pretty much every year when i look at that it breaks my heart that i've spent so much money at restaurants and food and those kind of things but they they can actually tell you exactly like a budget where you've spent most of your money or all of the funds and I use my credit card for everything so it's easy for me to just look at my credit card at the end of the year and kind of go okay maybe I should reduce spending here or I should increase spending here so look at your credit card and just see where your expenses are going or even in your bank account as well but I, I would always start at it for my what is it that you, you pay because a lot of us have to pay I've got the 50, a lot of these different rules out there, but the one I believe in is the 50, 30, 20 rule. Have you guys ever heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard yeah. of that. So basically 50% um, is your essentials. So 50% of your income, you'll spend on your essentials, which is typically in Vancouver, maybe it's not quite 50% because we, we are, the rent and mortgage and everything else is so expensive here. But in an ideal world, you kind of want 50% of your income goes towards your essentials, which is, um, you know, sort of rent, food, uh, bills, um, utilities, uh, property tax, whatever you need to pay. Those are sort of your 50%. 30% is sort of you for your fund money. 30% of your income, you want to be able to spend more on getting my nails done, getting my hair done. I went to the hairdresser and it cost me like $107. You know what I mean? Like it's so expensive, all of these things as well. So you do wanna include it though in your plan because it's it's things that we do, like we're going to um, uh, buy something for yourself or treat yourself. Those are all expenses that you wanna include in there as well. And the 20%, I believe of that uh, sort of plan is the most important as well as your savings. That's your investments. So look at your budget and look at your total income that you make and you can do net, you can do gross, whichever works for you, but have sort of um, take a certain percentage of whatever you're making and you can start saving that as well. Um, and that sort of ties in with a plan. So having a budget is great, but uh, include in that budget a certain amount that will be for savings. And then you can sort of do short-term goals. Okay, this is emergency, medium-term goals. This is going back to school. This is for my child's education. Like for me, my kids, both my boys are going to be out of high school within the next three years and being being raised by an African mother who's, who was like, you're going to education, you're going to higher education, you're going to go to university. I'm telling my kids the same thing. So they, I, I keep saying, you don't really have a choice. Like I went, my whole family went, I'm making you go. So I don't like those are sort of the, so, but I have to take that into account uh, to be able to plan for their education as well, plan for retirement. If you, uh, you, you're young, you're kind of not even really thinking that far in terms of retirement, then think of it from if you're employed, some of your employers may match your contributions to your retirement as well. So find out whether they are and take part in that because that really is just an easy way for you to kind of save for retirement as well. But um, once you've got sort of the, the, the expenses sorted out, how much is then available, let's chat and I can help you then guide, okay, well, 
I've got this much available, where do I put it now? And you can do it self-directed, you can do it on your own, you can buy stocks, you can buy mutual funds. There's so many different ways, um, all have different fees and different options. And those are things that I'm more than happy to sit with you or in make an introduction within CIVC to someone that can then help you and guide you to find the right home for whatever it is that you're trying to invest in. Yeah. <laughs> Making that generational wealth, I'm here for it. <laughs> That's right, and and I mean, it, it can get quite complicated as well with having to diversify, and there's different type of asset classes and all of these things too. But um, I had this conversation a few years ago with my kids. I said, okay, I'm going to use my tax-free savings account. My son started roughing at 12 years old, so they were started making money already. So soccer roughing. So I said, well, I want you to put a certain amount of money away every month and I'll match it for you. But you choose which mutual fund we're going to put it into. So I, I didn't go into detail. I just kind of said, there's one, there's one Canadian one, there's a US one, there's a European one, there's an uh, emerging market one, which is always my favorite because I'm like, I invest in emerging markets. So we were able to kind of choose which one they wanted to go into. And then on a monthly basis, I will transfer from their accounts. It just keeps going in there and then I'll match that as well for them too. So even though it's not in an education fund, but it's some it's money that by the time they finish high school, they'll have access to this and they can use it whether to buy a car or move into their first apartment, whichever way they wanna use it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I don't know, do you two have anything else that you wanted to add? No, I, I really am, I'm, I'm processing that 50, 30, 20 and yeah. recognizing that like, I, I think I kind of have been doing that in the past, but like not at all with the savings thing. Like if I happen to have anything left over in my paycheck, it's like, that's actually going to pay debt. So like, I'm trying to like pay my debt down because I'm like, I just don't want it anymore. And, you know, sitting in, in COVID, we can't do anything. I'm like, well, I'm not spending money on drinks anymore. I'm not spending money on dinners out. So like might as well pay my debt down. But I think like restructuring my thought process around that, I think even yeah. moving forward once things open up will be very helpful to like take what I've learned in this time period and what you've said and make sure I'm applying it to my life in the future and not just going the, the pendulum the other way and going, we're free and like spend all the money. And then it's like backtracking, you know? Backtracking. And, and that is so, that is so important now because I feel that we'll always have debt Right, we live in Vancouver, it's expensive. There's always gonna be that loan that you wanna pay off or that visa card that you wanna get off. Mm -hmm. And of course the interest rates on those are definitely higher than having the money just sit in a savings account and you're making way less on interest in that than what you are paying interest on these visa cards or loans. But at the same time, like if you had money just sitting in a savings account and your visa bill is high, I'd be the first one to say, transfer it over, pay off that visa card. But at the same time, I would also say, well, how much of this can we kind of invest for the longer term, which can maybe give you a little bit more of a return or growth than what it's doing right now, just sitting in, in that account as well. So. Uh, it's it's having a good balance as with everything. I'm Libra, so balance is all about balance in my life. So it's about having that good balance in still wanting to pay off the debt. We still want to get you debt free, but we also want to make sure that you don't go into more debt when you need to, an emergency comes up or something needs to be paid. We want you to have this hand as well that you can kind of um, make sure that you have funds there to be able to provide you whatever expenses that is coming up That's so great. yes good luck with it i think it's great it's a i i've got a line of credit i use it i pay it off i use it i pay it off but it's i also have got my savings and and that's where i'm quite happy to put money into for the long term for short term for medium term but i'm also going to work on paying off the line of credit on the side as well thank you that's great that's really helpful. I think that that's a great kind of segue into introducing that you'll be doing our next event in January 30th. 
I'm pretty sure. Yes. And um, yeah, I think that more people will be able to kind of know more in detail everything that you just said and have it um, have question answer time, but also um, learn more of kind of what that looks like. And so I'm really excited for it. I think this is something that we all try to figure out during this time, like Elle said, even during COVID. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I hope that everyone can join us to be able to come to this event. And if you have any questions beforehand, make sure to write them down. And I hope this podcast was helpful for you. And so thank you so much for being our guest, Lisa. And um, I really appreciate just hearing more of your story. And I'm sure even after the event, we'll connect more with you. And hopefully when the world finally opens up, we can actually have a in-person event and yeah, actually have like a seminar and, you know, actually make it bigger than just virtual. But um, really, we really appreciate that you were our guest today and an honor to have you here and speak on your story and just to hear about more of you. Oh, thank you so much. And I tend to ramble on a little bit too, but I hope the message was clear <laughs> that it's more about, we want to be able to get to that financial independence, to get our financial power back. And I'm more than willing to help and, and assist along the way to see how can we all get there. Because I feel like in this world that we're living in, there's so much happening already and that we should we we all want to be able to be to be um a, a ready and prepared for for anything that could happen and that we we can walk away from situations or jobs and know that financially i'm secure and that's being looked after as well so thank you very much for the opportunity i look forward to seeing what i actually sound like <laughs> you'll sound great everyone's so much nervous and everyone they'll look back and it's it's amazing you, you did great oh, it was yeah. really engaging yeah we loved it <laughs> okay well thank you so much for being our guest and we'll see you january 30th sounds good thank you guys enjoy the rest of the weekend bye bye Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. And we also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.